Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. This is the big fight reaction for Joshua Buatzi's victory over Dan Aziz. Jamie is back on the podcast. He is a mainstay regular and of course it's always great to have another voice, another person's opinion about what's going on in the current boxing scene. And Jamie, we've just witnessed Buatzi getting that victory over Dan Aziz this past weekend. And we are going to talk about the performances of both men and, of course, ponder what actually happens next for both of them and what's the likelihood of certain fights happening and where Dan Aziz potentially could go. Also in the show, guys, I will mention a few of the other results. I won't focus too much on those because I am focusing on this particular fight, but there are certain people to be mentioning, of course, on this show and certain fights that did happen over the course of the last 24 hours, so we will be mentioning them on the show and have a little side note. But, Jamie, I'm going to bring you in now and just get your your understanding of what you saw last night when you watched Buatzi versus Aziz because you were quite passionate in the preview about what Buatzi needed to do to be able to put himself in that shop window, as you said, and he needed to do something significant. He needed to have a great performance to be able to make other people look at him and go, do you know what? This is a guy worth fighting. This is a guy that's going to put money on the table. After seeing that performance last night and seeing the victory, do you agree that he's put himself in the shop window or are you still on that sort of standpoint of, no, even based on that, I'm still thinking he still doesn't bring anything to the table? Oh Yeah, I do think. And first and foremost, I just want to say hello to all the listeners out there. Um, nice to come back again. Um, I do think that he, he did put himself in the shot window, but obviously the, the contribution uh, was made by Dan Aziz as well. Um, 
you know, putting yourself in the shop window can also mean a very, very dominant performance in terms of blasting someone out in a round, can't it? Um, but yeah, Josh, Josh see I think he displayed more uh, in last night's fight than I've seen from him in the last three or four. I was quite impressed with, you know, he, he just didn't allow didn't allow Aziz to really get into a rhythm. Um, I wasn't really expecting him to be the, the heavier puncher out of the two either, really. Every time Dan Aziz was coming forward, as he does, like a steam train, you know, when they were making exchanges, um, Buatsi seemed to be the heavier puncher. And it was reminiscent of uh, when we saw him in the Olympics, you know, that we, we talked about the other week, um, that sort of Josh Buatsi. And the two knockdowns added the exclamation point to that. So, uh, yeah, quite an impressive performance. He has put himself in the shop window, but I still don't think that there is anything um, there to trouble either Bivol or especially Baturbia. So, talking about Bivol and Baturbia, it's all but signed, sealed and delivered for June. I believe it's June the 1st, the date that's been proposed in Saudi. So, that fight is is definitely happening. And we know that there's going to be an outcome that potentially may mean the belts are fragmented if there is one clear winner in that fight. So as a result of that, with Josh being in the position with the WBA now to be a mandatory challenger, ultimately he could go straight in for a title shot because he's been put into that position and he's he's won this fight last night to put himself into that position. So the likelihood of him fighting Bivol on Baturbiev, he seems a little bit slimmer now than he did prior to the fight because I think now we're kind of feeling that, you know, whoever wins that fight are going to be put in a position where they're going to be faced with a mandatory against somebody and especially with the IBF I mean if the IBF say look Bivol or Baturbia whoever wins I want you to defend this title against this challenger in this amount of time frame and they can't do that they're going to lose that title it's still a possibility that Buatsi might get a fight against either Bivol or Baturbia it's, it's still quite a good possibility but you know based on what I saw last night on the performance I saw I'm still I've still got a lot of doubts about his his ability to be able to raise his game to that level because I haven't seen it yet against any of the fighters he's faced so far. That's my concern with him. I want him to do well. As a British fight fan, I want one of our lads to go to America or wherever it is, and I want him to do that. I want him to create his own bit of history. I do, genuinely. But being objective about the situation, I just don't see what he has and what he has on display that he's shown so far in his career that could trouble either of those two fighters to the point where he would actually be in with a chance of beating them that's my concern with him yes he fought better last night and it was funny because in the post-fight interview in the ring he was actually pretty much asked a question about <laughs> previous fights and, and, and negativity he had for the Stepien fight in particular and I know you mentioned that in the preview Jamie and Joshua Barazzi literally grabbed the presenter's arm on the microphone and said it's different because Stepien just wanted to run away whereas Dan, Dan wanted to fight and that's what he said when he's got a fighter in front of him that wants to actually engage it makes the fight a better fight it makes him a better fighter and what we saw last night was with some really good combinations and a Joshua Buatzi that we've previously enjoyed and that was able to stop Dan Aziz in his tracks for the most part. The knockdowns in particular did add the icing on the cake, but I felt a little bit sorry for Dan because it, it looked like the canvas was was like an ice rink at times and you could see in between the rounds they were frantically trying to clean it up 
like there was water that I'd got in there, some sort of condensation or something that I'd got on the canvas, or maybe the the boots that Dan was wearing. I know he was getting caught, but it just seemed the way he was going down just seemed quite unnatural. It, it, to me, it was like, yeah, he got a shot, but then it was like he was off balance because of the canvas. Now I'm not blaming, you know, I'm not saying this is an excuse for for where Dan was at last night. He he was starting to be outgunned. It was obvious he was starting to get outgunned as the fight went on. And even in the last round, he got hurt. And it, it looked like Boazzi took a step back and thought, you know what, he's my friend as well. And I, and I, wanna, I, wanna, I want him to see this round out. I want to see him see the final bell as well. And he felt like he was a bit merciful in, in that regard as well. So with all that in mind, with what Joshua Boazzi's now got on the table and after seeing what you saw last night, legitimately... Does he actually have a chance of, of beating Bivol or Baturbiev? Because I know people are saying Bivol would be the better fight for him, technically. But if Biv, if, if Baturbiev beats Bivol and, and blows him away, after what we've already seen against Callum Smith and previously against Anthony Yard, two of our other Brits, you can't. I can't really give him a chance, to be honest, Jamie. What about you? Well, going by his explanation, you know, and he says he's a better fighter when somebody comes to fight. Bivol will be the worst fight for him because Bivol's a, a counterboxer and a counterpuncher. And that's what Buassi was sort of doing last night. Not counterpunching in sort of every sense of the word, making somebody look terrible. Because Aziz was in the fight, you know what I mean? He was forcing the action. But the, the fact is, you know, he, he wasn't dominating. It was it was a 50-50 fight in some parts, you know, until we started pulling away because of the because of the knockdowns and the ice rink um, ice rink ring. So, you know, he, he's there saying, "Oh, I'll be a better fighter when somebody presses the presses the action." Well, you're not you're not going to match that against Bertrand. Definitely not because he'll steamroll you. Um, and those who think that Bivol will be a better fight for him technically. Well, that's going to be a bore fest. That's going to be another one. And I'll mention it again. That's going to be another instance where the, the curtains are going to close when he's in the back garden. So um, very much like you, you know, I, I can't really see him. I can't really see him doing well against either of those individuals, uh, Bivol or Perturbia. But I think really the, the way that Josh Bates' career has gone, I think he might, in the back of his mind, he might actually consider himself very fortunate to pick up a pick up a title belt. Um, it's, it does fracture, and I think he'll be quite happy with those those circumstances. I mean, he's going to be confident of his ability, but um, who really looks at Baturbiev at the moment, aside from maybe Bivol, and goes, oh, yeah, I've definitely got a chance against him. There's not going to be many of them, and I don't really think on previous form, he can sit there and say, oh, yeah, Stepien didn't come to fight. But you go to Stepien, you blast him out, and that's what I was, that's basically what I was alluding to towards in our last show you know if there's a boring fighter who doesn't want to fight as a world-class operator or a potential world-class operator your job is to go and use the word again steamroll them put the world on notice show them that you're the man it doesn't matter what sort of style i'm met with i'm a destroyer i'm going to destroy you and uh well you didn't do that against stepien and again i can't see him doing it against perturbia definitely not and, and biver always oh, be a ball fest if they fight so no, I don't really see. I don't really see that he can step up, and th th there's nothing wrong with being, you know, a fringe world level operator. There seems to be this shame that's embedded in the boxing uh, boxing sphere at the moment that if you've not won a world title, um, unless you're one of the the battlers and one of the sort of you know graceful losers, then it, it's not really a, a great area to be in, you know. Um, 
seems to be a shame in anything below sort of world level. It's not a career worth having. Uh, that's, that's just the attitude that I sort of get with the media. But, you know, he, he would have had a decent career. He, he wasn't a... I mean, he went to the Olympics, didn't he? Judge Fawazi, but he was quite a limited amateur, um, aside from his Olympic experience. So I think anything he does, to even get himself in contention for a, a world title is... Uh, I, I think that would be the mark of a good career, personally. I don't see him. I don't see him crossing the line, particularly with his current crop that's there at the moment. Well, looking at what's around and what the potential is for him is, why can't he take a fight in the interim? Because if the fight between Bivol and Baturbiev is happening June first, literally he's going to have to sit around and wait until that fight happens and see what the outcome of that fight is. And obviously, whoever wins that fight, they're not going to be ready then for at least another three months at the very earliest to fight. So. In the interim, why not chase another fight? Why not look for another notable fight in this division with another contender around where you can seriously prepare yourself for the biggest fight of your life? And the name that keeps getting thrown around is a name that's been thrown around quite a lot with Joshua Barazza, Anthony Yard. Now, obviously, there might be issues with making the fight because it's a boxer and, of course, Queensbury promotions. But given the recent goings-on with negotiations and promoters willing to work together. There's no reason why Anthony Yard versus Joshua Boazzi couldn't happen unless this five versus five thing that Matchroom versus Queensbury are, are having later this year, unless Anthony Yard faces Callum Smith, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Callum Smith's loss to Baturbiev. So with that in mind, that is a potential fight for me that I think he, he should maybe be pursuing because these two have been linked together for, for quite some time. The last couple of years, it's been spoken about many, many times that these two guys should fight each other and, and that this is what should happen. But he can't wait around. That's the thing for me now. He's He left Matchroom because he didn't feel he was getting the opportunities and he was inactive and he, he wanted to be out more. So he's gone to box art. He doesn't want the same situation to arise by waiting around for the winner of Paterbia versus Bivol. Instead, why not look around and see what is there, see what fights can be made. Anthony Yard, Callum Smith, maybe look at Alexander Gervik even, you know, a fighter at the age of 36 who's on a good run, who's been a former champion, who has been in there against a Baturbiev, he would be the barometer of an opponent to go up against to say, do you know what, if I can do good against an Alexander Gerdvik and, and, and maybe look good in doing so, then that, that would be a great fight. Maybe Richard Rivera would be a good fight for him as well. I mean, he's another top 10 ranked opponent who I think it would be a good name for him to get in the ring with. Obviously, when you look at Rivera, you think of the, the Badu Jack fight a couple of years ago. So maybe there's a couple of names there that he needs to get in the ring with, I think, to keep himself active whilst waiting for this fight. Would there be anyone else, Jamie, that, that would really be logical? Maybe Lyndon Arthur. There's another one, actually, off the top of my head, Lyndon Arthur. You know, he's fought Bivol. He's coming off the back of a loss to Bivol. Maybe take the opportunity and fight a Joshua Buatze. Why not take that fight? Why not fight somebody who's been an IBO champion? So there's there's options there. And I think he needs to take one of them options or push for one of them options to happen. Because for me, if he takes a fight against someone who's ranked in the top 20, top 30 in the world, how is he going to prepare himself for the biggest fight of his life? That isn't going to be preparation, is it? No, certainly not. And I would, um, you know, heart back to your point there about uh, and the yard. I think that would be the best preparation for him, really. 
Uh, Yard's been in there with but Bevan, all right. He was a he was a valiant valiant loser, but you know, test yourself against someone who's quite strong who will push back against you like Aziz did last night, and just see whether you can get him out of there in quicker fashion. It'll be a good barometer. There's not many people that are gonna, yeah, as we were saying before. Uh, there's not many people that are going to match up to Paterbiev. There's not many people that are going to match up to Bivol. So it's a case of uh, the best of the rest fighting each other. Um, and the yard, I think he's got the beating of Callum Smith because Callum Smith against big punchers. Um, and this is just my opinion. He seems to clam up and just, you know, praise for him to stop hitting him. Um, whereas yard, yard relishes a fight. He really goes to work. So I think. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That will be a, a bigger test than a Callum Smith fight for uh, Joshua Boatze because, you know, he's going to have someone like, if he fought Paterbiev, for example, who's going to come back at him and, and fire at him like, uh, and he needs to, needs to get prepared for that, you know? Um, can he fight fire with fire? Well, well, we'll certainly see with that fight. The difficulty is, as you say, the uh, the promotion, the promotion issue. You know, would Boxer and uh, Queensbury be willing to do business with each other? You know, Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren are under the covers at the moment, and Ben seems to be a bit pushed out. You know, is there a bit of a, a sour relationship between Queensbury and uh, Boxer as there is with Matram and Boxer? We don't know. So, yeah, if it can happen... Um, I would certainly agree with you there. I'm at the yard in the ring with Buatsi next. Um, can't really think of anyone else who would really benefit Buatsi in terms of climbing the ladder before he gets the big one. So let's talk about the dance partner in this fight last night. We talked a lot about Joshua Buatsi and what he does next. What about Dan Aziz? I mean, what, what can he do next at this stage? He was obviously British and Commonwealth champion. He'd also picked up the European title in the process of his career as well, of course. And, you know, at this point, he was marching on towards that, that world level. So don't really want to see him stepping back down at this point. And I suppose people could say, yeah, but he's 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 overachieved now in his career. Nobody expected him to get to these heights. And maybe, maybe he should sort of go back and try and 
get the British title again because the chances are, and Boazzi said it in the post-fight interview, he didn't really want to take his belts off him. He just wanted that number one spot to be mandatory position for a title shot at the world title. So maybe Joshua Boazzi will vacate these titles and maybe Dan Aziz could fight for them again. It's, it's a strong possibility that that could happen. And fair enough, if he wanted to do that and pick that up first, I'd... I'd yeah, I'd be happy for him to do that. You know, he gets himself back into a winning position, gets himself back moving forward. But you don't want to, when you've gained that much momentum in a career which maybe people have written you off for, you don't really want to be pushing back down again. Because, you know, when you look at Dan Aziz, he's ranked in the top 10 in the world with pretty much most organisations. Boxwreck in particular, as credible as they can be and not be at times, he's ranked number six in the light heavyweight division in the world. And for me, I mean, that's a big thing. I don't want to be, I don't want you to be stepping down and not getting these big fights. Okay, if you want to win the British and Commonwealth title, Jamie, yeah, absolutely. Go and try and win it back again. That's, that's, that's a nice little feat to have behind you. But at this stage of your career, you'd really want Dan Aziz to carry on pushing on as well. At 34 years of age, and for some reason last week, I thought he was younger than what he is. He's 34 now. So really, at this stage of your career, you want to be thinking about not maybe a way out of the sport, but also have an eye on the financial future as well and think about securing big financial fights that are significant for you in your career. And if I'm in his management team, that's exactly what I'd be saying. I'd be saying, look, right, you've tested yourself against the other best British guy out there that's got an undefeated record. Now maybe you can look at pushing yourself against somebody else, try and push for another big fight. I mean, is is Dan Aziz too small? Would he find it too difficult against other light heavyweights? What what do you think he could do next, Jamie? What what's the ideal scenario for him now? Well, you mentioned the uh, the bog track rankings. I know they're not the sort of pantheon and, and paragon of uh, of rankings. You know, there's a lot of argument about how accurate they are. But uh, you mentioned Alexander Bodstick. Uh, he is actually above Dan Aziz at number five um, after last night. So, you know, perhaps that's a logical step forward, get himself back in the round robin of light heavyweights. He could fight, um, you mentioned Lyndon Arthur before as well. He's coming off coming off a loss against uh, Dimitri Vivo. It's just the case of, you know, as I mentioned before, the best of the rest. That's all it is. Outside the top two, I'm not, too interested in light heavyweight as a division to be honest so because you know we've got to see the top two fight each other on the first of june uh that's the only fight i'm interested in at the moment so keep busy fights and fights that are intriguing would be fights to me uh including fighters that have fought the top two so linda laugh would be a logical step uh, alexander vodstick uh, that would be a logical step because he all right it was some years ago but he did fight arthur Baturbiev and he got beat. Um, any of those fights would would make a big uh, make a big difference as his bank balance and put him back in the mix. However, you did mention about his age at 34, um, and he did take a little bit of a hammering at times last night. You know, he was all worn down. He was tired. The engine uh, wasn't stoked up as much as he could have been. Will he look at it and think, you know, I have overachieved. I won a European title. It's okay not to be a world champion, as I mentioned before. It's it's totally fine. Um, can I take my overachievement and, and go and get back to the sport in another way, perhaps in a training capacity? I've heard a lot of people talk about Dan Aziz and his sort of uh, award-winning personality. Someone even compared him to a sort of Frank Bruno in terms of his 
nicety and, and the way he comes across. There's a lot of people pipping him for a, a career in the media. So, you know, he's got options if he doesn't want to get back in the ring. But to me, uh, as I keep saying, best of the rest, just just fight the leftovers of Baterbiev or Bivol. That'd be the next step for me, if you so, want to keep yourself in the mix. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good, it's a good point, really. I think we've done, and I think I'm looking forward to seeing how both of the careers do play out now going forward. But it's not the only fight that we wanted to mention on the show. I am just going to round up the rest of the fights on that particular card. Just a little bit of a talking point, of course, with this card as well. Adam Azim got the victory in a bit of a strange fashion, really. It was a dislocated shoulder from his opponent, Enoch Paulson. He celebrated like he'd just won a world title, but then he actually came out today and said, I didn't realise he had a dislocated shoulder and, and he wasn't able to fight on as a result. But nevertheless, he moves on in his career and gets another victory and people are still touting for him fighting these big fights going forward. So it will be interesting to see how the rest of this year goes with him and, and how quickly they are going to move him forward. That's something I've been quite sceptical on about him as a fighter so far. Caroline Dubois as well, something that I didn't really get to pick up on in the preview show. She was mandated to fight for the IBF title that was vacated by Katie Taylor. And what I was reading prior to this fight was that if she took this fight and she defended the IBO title against Miranda Reyes, which is what she did and she got a unanimous decision, that she'd be out of the running then from the IBF because the IBF wanted her, they mandated her to fight for the vacant title. And they basically said, if you go into this fight this weekend, we're not going to mandate you anymore. So I'm wondering what the decision-making process was behind her not having that fight. And I'll be interested to see sort of the route that she's going to be going down, if if not that particular route. Because I know with the WBA version of this title, Rhiannon Dixon has actually been mandated to fight for that particular title. And originally, from what was going out on social media, it was actually mandated for the IBF to have Caroline versus Rhiannon in a fight against each other. So I'm wondering maybe whether Caroline might even end up sneaking into that potential WBA rankings and, and maybe fight Rhiannon in the future. There's definitely a, a cause for a fight between them two to happen a little bit further down the line. She obviously got the victory, Caroline, last night. But the big talking point for me, and the thing that's going viral across social media today, Ben Whittaker. Ben Whittaker doing what he does in the ring and just basically dancing around and, and being a little bit of an idiot and way, way over the top showboating against guys that really... You know, they, they, if you're showboating against a guy who's 20 and 0 and you're taking the piss out of him in the ring, that's some feat. But when you're doing it against a guy who's 10, 13 and 5, it, it just seems a little disrespectful to me. Uh, it's like he's trying to recapture that sort of 90s Naz vibe of, of trying to be that guy who brings the crowd in with his entertaining performances. And, you know, yes, he's got great reflexes. Yes, he's looking good. But don't be doing all this shit until you're in a position where you've actually won and achieved something in your career and you can actually have the blasé about you as a fighter to be able to go and do that. When Naz started doing all this stuff, it was already when he was winning titles. It was when he was moving up and the ladder in his career and he became synonymous with it all, of course. Ben Whittaker's now 6-0 and and he's running around doing all these... You know what he reminds me of? It reminds me of a good comparison, Jamie. The Drunken Master. Emmanuel Augustus. It's like he's been watching videos of Emmanuel Augustus on YouTube and going, do you know what? I'm going to do that in my next fight. And lo and behold, that ends up being one of the most viewed clips from the actual show last night as a whole. Yeah, well, I, I suppose you could... Views mean views mean money in today's uh, parlance and, and the way that boxing works today. I was actually talking to a friend about this today as well. 
about Ben Whitaker's performance in particular because he'd picked up on it. And I I was like you, Sean. I was slating it. I was just saying, you know, the the lack of respect. You, you're fighting a man who's, who's, I don't know the other guy's record, to be honest, to give me, especially if he's listening to the show. But you, you're fighting a man who's no great shakes. Let's put it that way. So just go and dominate him. Although he, he did come out with a good point. He said, you know, even because I mentioned Naz and he went, even Naz was doing it at the bottom. And I would correct your point, Sean, because I've actually got all of Naz's fights on DVD upstairs. And yeah, he was even against the Ricky Beards of the world. He was even choosing to, to do the same thing and look at what Naz went on to went on to achieve. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, that makes me agree with Ben Whitaker's antics because it doesn't. I find it very distasteful and, and very, uh, yeah, just not needed. But in the conversation with a friend who's sort of a, you know, he's not even really a boxing fan, but for, for him to, for that to pique his interest, it's obviously something that Ben Whitaker's aware of and, and you know, I lacked a bit of a prat and it's getting eyes on the game. So, Really, who's earning the money from all these views? It'll be people like Ben Whitaker. So he's going to keep doing it. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it. I think he's in very poor taste. But, you know, we're not the ones putting food on the lad's table. So, uh, you know, to disagree with your point slightly, even though I agree with it in terms of I'm not a big fan of it myself. Well, thanks for correcting me on that point. And I'm glad you did because, to be honest, I don't remember. Naz doing it very early on in his career and that that's why it was a long time ago and I'll be totally honest I haven't watched any of his earlier fights for a very long time so the fact that he was doing it as well just feels like you know a little bit of a an emulation of an idol maybe from Ben Whitaker and I know he's always going to get these comparisons um when he delivers when he eventually delivers against a big fighter then I can kind of I'll let it go but I just think it's strange doing it at this at this stage of your career and and you can perceive it as disrespectful. You can perceive it in any way you want. I just don't think we like seeing it in general. I just don't think, as 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 fans, we don't want to see someone literally taking a piss out of someone like that. You know, we want to see sportsmanship, and that doesn't feel like sportsmanship. It feels more like showmanship because he's wanting to bring the eyeballs in. I think he will bring more eyeballs into the sport once he steps up in levels. And I know he's a really nice guy away from the cameras and away from the ring because one of our friends of the show, Chris Wardrop, who's been on a couple of times, Chris, you know, he spoke to him directly. He's been sat with him, spoke to him, said how, how lovely of a guy he is. And I believe Chris, absolutely, 100%. And I can imagine he totally is. And a lot of it is just to try and put people on the radar, get that attention, get it in early, get people viewing him, make money. I understand like the logic of why he's doing it. And I always remember him from the Olympics, of course, and being brash and arrogant and the way he was there. And he got the attention and limelight on him then because of stuff like that. So, you know, whether it's positive or negative attention, he's getting attention. And, and that's probably the goal in, in his mind is to push himself further and further forward, get more ticket sales, get more money on the table, want to see more people in, in the ring now or get get more people in with him, get more difficult opponents in the ring with him and let's see if he can do that against them that's what i'm looking forward to it, it looks like it's going to be an exciting journey i'll be honest and it's not going to be to everyone's standard and everyone's taste but for me it's it's looking like it's going to be an eventful one that's certainly for sure with ben whittaker well jamie let's move on to the other fight of the weekend the other fighter of the weekend 
aptly named the destroyer but can't seem to destroy anything at the moment and that of course is uh connor ben getting a, a labored decision over peter dobson last night and a lot of people giving him a lot of stick on social media uh devin haney in particular was quite funny with some of his comments about the fact that he doesn't have that in the needle anymore and that's why his performance is so crap and labored uh, many other top-level fighters, which he seems to be getting the attention of, seemingly slagging him off as well, which is quite funny, to be honest with you, because they're all kind of ganging up a little bit on Conor Ben at the moment, deservedly so, because of the way he's conducted himself throughout the whole course of these issues over the past two years. But it then starts to make you theorise, doesn't it? Just a little bit. Let's be honest, just a little bit. When he was when he was knocking Chris Van Heerden and Chris Algieri out the way he was, Samuel Vargas, you're thinking... Bloody hell, he's getting better. And then the, the, these incidents come out where there's drugs-related incidents that come out and there's drugs tests and he tries to clear himself. All this all this shit that's gone on, basically. And now he's seemingly, in people's minds, seemingly because he's not taking anything anymore, because that's what people are saying, because he's not taking anything anymore, he can't put the opponents away. He hasn't got the same power that he had. And scarily enough when you see a fighter take performance enhancing drugs and has been caught cheating in some way shape or form and it's quite evident you look back on them situations and you can kind of see what was going on now that he's had two performances against relatively mediocre opponents and he's not been able to put them away whereas before he was knocking former world champions out and former world title challenges out it kind of makes you feel, and I don't know about you, Jamie, but for me, it kind of makes me feel like, yeah, no matter what you're saying now, Connor, no matter what you say to try and clear your name, I'm now struggling to believe that you were not on the performance-enhancing drugs based on now what I'm seeing since you've returned to the ring, which isn't good. It was like it was like pre-Paynard. It was like when he went life and death with Cedric Paynard, and then he was like following following that moment in his career and then the changes, it was like maybe that was the moment where the decision was made to start going through the the rounds of taking performance-enhancing drugs. I don't know. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I think for me, from sort of like 2019 onwards, that's where we started to hurt opponents and stop the opponents. And then he went on this run where he stopped Vargas and Algeria and Van Heerden. And he, they, they were big victories for him. They were big big wins and me and Johnston couldn't really scream from the rooftops enough about how improved he seemed and then all that came out so with what's gone on in these last two fights now against Ozarko and Peter Dobson it kind of makes you feel again and I'll make I'll make the point once more now Jamie before I say you come into the show and say what you've got to say about it it makes me think now that there's no way he couldn't have been on him now yeah, he couldn't break an egg before, could he? Um, before these alleged uh, alleged allegations, uh, he couldn't break an egg. Um, you go back to, you mentioned the Cedric payloads of the world. He's destructive. Ben was only a destructive force prior to payload, I believe. Uh, he fought a, a fellow that used to be in my form class at school called Stephen Backhouse, and he destroyed him in a round. He looked like a destroyer then, but you know, Stephen Backhouse, whilst he was a decent sort of uh, local-level amateur, he never really achieved anything as a pro. Um, and, you know, we're going back to that. And 
I don't really want to elaborate too much on this Conor Ben situation and the Conor Ben fight because it'll turn into a shooting the breeze episode and that's not something that I want to sully the good nature of this episode with. Um, but what I will say is the man's angered me again because you mentioned about Devin Haney. I watched an interview with this self, self-entitled... self and again, I'm, I'm going down that road, but that self-entitled, arrogant little pipsqueak, because that's what I think Conor Ben is. And he, he turned around and he called Devin Haney jealous of him. How is Devin Haney jealous of Conor Ben? I, I, would, I would pay good money. I would pay good money to see him get in the ring with Terence Crawford. Jerome Boo Tennis. And not based on achievement, but just based on the fact that I want to see the Destroyer the little egg man of Essex. I want to see him get destroyed. Um, yeah, it just leaves another sour, sour taste in the mouth. It's not like he's going to America like his dad did and fighting the Sanderline Williams of the world to, you know, really try and try and up his uh, up his standing in the UK. He's going to America, I believe. And again, this is allegedly, but I believe because, well, we know he can't box over here, but. I, I believe he's serving a ban over it personally um, and he fills out a little cloakroom in, in Las Vegas and suddenly he's the, he's the man but uh, no last night was just another tick in the box uh, like you I, I certainly believe he was on the uh, so called gear and um, he's, not, he's not far away from a beating get him in the ring with uh, Chris Eubank get him in the ring with Devin Haney get him in the ring with any destroyer. In fact, uh, let, let's. I, I want to see him in the ring with Subaru Matthias. Let's have it. Let's have it. You think you're a destroyer? Get in the ring with a real destroyer, and we'll see what happens. Run over. <laughs> yeah, run over. There you go, guys. That is the run on Connor Ben from Jamie. And I told you, you know, this is this is one of them shows where we try to keep professionalism. We try to maintain a little bit of professionalism at times, whatever that means these days, and. You know, it's hard when you get moments like this in the sport with someone like Connor. I think, I think if I'm being honest, if I was Connor now, I'd just be going away and trying to build myself back up, get some definitive conversations around what really happened. Stop putting yourself and whoring yourself out there to the media like I don't know what. It's like he's selling his story to the sun or something all the time. It's ridiculous. Like, just stop talking shit. Just get on with it. Stop promoting him, Eddie Hearn. Stop pushing him out there. He's not helping. Either. Stop pushing him out there like he's going to be fighting Devin Haney next. Just get some wins under his belt. Maybe he is serving a ban secretly that we don't know about. Whatever it is, he just needs to start upping the levels of his opponents in America. If that's where he's going to base himself, start fighting some legit American fighters. Stop picking up guys with padded records that are not going to do anything for your career. Start moving it forward. If you want to be fighting these big guys you need to show that you can beat decent fires. And I'm not disrespecting any of his opponents in Azarko or Dobson because they are fighters nevertheless. They get in that ring and they fight, but they are not at the level that he was previously fighting at. They were not at the level of a Chris Van Heerden or a Chris Algeria or a Samuel Vargas. He's not at that level. He's stepped down massively. He needs to fight bigger fires. If he's going to start shouting from the rooftops about what he's going to do to certain fighters in the division, he needs to at least start showing it in the ring and at the moment he's not and that that's where for me the book stops until he can do that I, i'm not interested 
I'm not interested in, in it being shoved down my throat by Eddie Hearn because I'm I, that's all I want to see is him come out and say, do you know what? I messed up. I'm serving a ban. I'm not fighting in the UK until my ban's done and then I'm going to come back and then I'm going to prove everybody wrong. But it's not going to happen that way and we know it's not. So that's the last of what I'm going to say about Conor Ben for this particular episode because I am done just like you, rant over. No more conversation around Conor for the time being and pretty much brings us to the end of this big fight reaction show just a few bits of housekeeping to go through for this episode please go and listen to the latest legendary nights episode which has now been released which is the tale of Penel Whitaker and Julio Cesar Chavez from September the 10th 1993 please go and listen to that episode that is out there now on the feed and also we've got another additional episode for you that has also been released if you haven't already heard it it is another shoe in the breeze We've not done one of them for a while, but with the elephant in the room that we've not spoke about in this episode, because we've saved it for that one, of course, Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk, and the cancellation, postponement, reschedule, and everything that surrounded that is all been spoken about in a separate Shooting the Breeze episode with myself and Jamie. So please do also go and listen to that episode. That is also there on the feed if you haven't already listened to it. We've got our thoughts and feelings about what's happened, how it's gone down, and what's going on moving forward and that pretty much ties up this big fight reaction show i want to say thank you to everybody as always for listening if you've enjoyed it leave a comment below on spotify leave a comment on social media if you're listening to us on any available podcasting app that has a facility to leave a comment please do because it does come through to us and it is really appreciated i want to say a big thank you to Corey lewis who listens to us through patreon a loyal subscriber to us thank you Corey. he also has a great podcast himself called your two dads if you're interested in some parenting tips please go and listen to Corey as well but he's always digging the stuff that we put on this show and the conversations that we have and Pretty much always giving uh, you a bit of a shout-out as well, Jamie. Of course, he really likes uh, your take on stuff, does Corey. So uh, thank you to Corey as well for, for listening and for tuning in. And please do go and check out his Your Two Dads podcast as well. Quite an interesting, relatable conversation to listen to. But that pretty much ties up this episode. Thank you for listening to the Big Fight Reaction on Joshua Boazzi and Dan Aziz. <laughs> Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.